long ago that to protect his business he had to spread the wealth. Every major Ares Weapons System contract was disseminated across all 50 states. His glossy, expensive ad campaigns touted that fact above all others. 1,000 suppliers spread across America, keeping you safe. The Hollywood voiceover would proclaim in deeply resonant tones that made your skin tingle and your heart pound. It sounded very patriotic. It had actually been done for only one reason. Now, if some bureaucrat tried to cut any of the pork, 535 members of Congress would rise up and strike the person dead for having the audacity to try and take jobs from their people. Creel had successfully implemented this same strategy in a dozen other countries as well. Just like war, the Americans did not have a monopoly on self-serving politicians. Ares-built military jets flew over every major sporting event in the world, including the World Series, the Super Bowl, and the World Cup. How could you not get goosebumps when a tight formation of space-age warships costing $150 million a pop came roaring overhead with enough firepower to easily take out every man, woman, and child in the place with a single strike? It was near poetic in its frightful majesty. Ares's global marketing and lobbying budget was $3 billion per year, For that mammoth sum, there wasn't a major country with defense dollars to spend that didn't hear the message over and over again. We are strong. We stand by you. We keep you safe. We keep you free. We are the only thing standing between you and them. And the pictures were just as compelling. Barbecues and parades, flags waving, children saluting as tanks rolled by and planes soared overhead, and grim-faced soldiers with black-smudged faces threading through hostile territory. There was no country on earth that could withstand that sort of heart-pumping message Creel had found. Well, perhaps the Germans, but that was about it. The way the commercials were scripted, It was like the mighty Ares Corporation was giving the weapons away out of patriotic fervor instead of eternally being over budget and behind schedule. Or convincing defense departments to buy expensive war toys that were never even used while ignoring the lesser-priced items like body armor and night-vision goggles that grunts on the ground actually relied on to survive. It had worked brilliantly for decades. Yet things were changing. People, it seemed, were growing tired of war. The attendance at the enormous trade conventions Ares put on annually had fallen for five years in a row. Now Ares's marketing budget was bigger than its net income. That revealed only one truth. People weren't buying what Creel was selling. So he was currently sitting in a nice room in a building owned by his company. The big man sitting opposite him was dressed in jeans and combat boots, looking like a grizzly bear minus the fur. His face was tanned and worn, with what looked like either a bullet crater or the mother of all measle pox on one cheek. His shoulders were thick and his hands huge and somehow menacing. Creel didn't shake hands. It started, he said. I've seen Comrade Constantine. The man could not resist a smirk when he said this. 
They should just award him the Oscar now. Sixty Minutes is doing a story on it this weekend, along with every other news magazine. The idiot Goshkov's making it easy on us. What about the incident? You're the incident, Creel pointed out. It worked before without boots on the ground. I'm not interested in wars that stop at a hundred days or devolve into glorified gangland street fights. That doesn't even pay the light bill, Caesar. Give me the plan and I'll execute it, Mr. Creel, like always. Just be ready to go. It's your dime, said Caesar. You bet it is. On the chopper ride back to the Ares building, Creel eyed the city's concrete, glass, and steel temples below. You're not in West Texas anymore, Nick. This, of course, wasn't just about money or saving his company. Creel had enough money, and regardless of what he did or didn't do, Ares Corporation...